clip from today? I did not see a new clip. No, that's the one, the one where she said Trump isn't even human. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's what happens when you can't be president. You just be saying shit about time. But <laughs> that shit was crazy. She was like the, uh, comparing Obama and Trump. It's like, no, no. I said Trump's policies are like the, the logical extension of Obama's policies. They, they didn't come out of nowhere. Trump and Obama, nothing like Obama's a human. <laughs> Trump Trump is like, you know, is like dog sperm that congealed in the gutter. It's just like into like the vague shape of a human and like has some kind of semi-sentience. I don't know where I don't know where you thought I was comparing Trump and Obama as people. That's not no person. Uh It's like they got administrations that run policies that were, you know, natural. One was a natural extension of the other. That's that's a separate thing from the individuals that were at the helm. It's like. Obama is a person who did bad things. Trump is like a sack of rats, you know, a lumpy sack of rats. Somehow ambulatory, but inexplicably. Strange things have happened. He's like the Oogie Boogie Man. Except all the bugs are racist. <laughs> Y'all niggas is dumb. That's all I wanted to say. Oh, you, don't get, oh, you mean just generally? Or you mean in response to that? I mean, either, both. Take your pick. Well, look, oh, look, 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 look. I know it's not popular to like express any kind of emotion online. Like you're not supposed to be shocked. You're definitely not supposed to be mad online. But like, I just want to say, like, I've been relatively disgusted by like the Elon Omar situation since it started. And, you know, I, we haven't got you to really talk about it except for like in passing up until this point. But I think it's important because there are like a lot of th- like overlapping issues that occurred. But, you know, silver lining, it introduced me to like Elon Omar as like someone to keep an eye on. And I'll put it, I'm going to be 100% honest with you guys. Yo, she has been going sicko mode on these fuck boys since the whole, since the whole <laughs> thing went down. It's like, first thing, I mean, she apologized. For, first of all, obviously, like, she had nothing to apologize for. Like, if anything, like she was a little bit too lenient on Israel and their allies. But like, she like it's ever since apologizing, she has just gone just fucking buck wild on these candy asses. Immediately after, she was like retweeting. She was like retweeting insults that <laughs> fucking Megan McC- Megan McCain. Oh, that was gold. Uh, I mean, Megan, first of all, okay, so this is going to sound weird. Megan McCain isn't even Jewish. And I know that, like, I've been very critical on this show of, like, hyperinflating the individual narratives of people of marginalized populations or rather people with marginalized identities as, like, the voice of that entire struggle or whatever. But, I mean, Megan McCain is not even Jewish and she's married to, like, the what the, the founder and editor-in-chief of the federalist which publishes anti-semitic shit all the time i don't even know if she knows any jewish people besides joe lieberman might be it right i mean like i, I think that she, she's definitely not related to any she's like the large adult daughter of like the fucking political arena it's like she's only on the view because like her father was john mccain uh, so like this whole thing is like based in nepotism, but at least like John McCain, like, and she has all of like the smug fucking self-righteousness of John McCain with none of the decency of having been like tortured for four years by North Viet, North Viet Cong. So like you can't even like, be, okay, well, you know, John McCain's a piece of shit, but at least, you know, he kind of got it on the front end. Uh, like she's just like vaguely pretty white chick on TV with like, but also incredibly dumb. She, she gives a new meaning to the phrase dummy thick. 
And with that, the discourse is canceled. But I'm familiar, with, <laughs> I'm familiar with the meme. I'm familiar with the meme. We're not going to disrespect the meme like that. Whatever. Anyway, it's not important. But so like, I- I'm glad that this whole experience introduced me to Elon Omar uh, as like a political actor. Uh, I don't want to like mm-hmm. become. I don't want like to succumb to like stand culture, but it's hard not to because nope. she's fucking awesome. We should probably unpack the whole situation, right? So I don't really know what started it. Like, okay, so I know what more or less. I don't know what prompted her originally to make the series of tweets that she did criticizing APAC for more or less doing what they say to do. Like they're a lobbying group, which like whose sole purpose is to uh, essentially it, the further the interest of the nation state of Israel in you know American politics, right? To get, get, sort of continue to secure funding for their various bullshit. Like that's what they do. They are very vocal about what they do. It's not you know if anything they over and inf- they personally themselves over inflate like how influential they are right like, like they're like there's audio of it uh and somehow that spiraled into like this online pylon that was joined by you know the mediocrities that are che- is chelsea clinton and a few other people you know more pro- prominent more or less people who decided that this was the perfect opportunity to like jump on this random Muslim woman of color. And why I say it's like disgusting is because like a few weeks, like prior to that, right? So like this session of Congress has only been in session for what, two months, two months or so? Like they've been here since January. Richard, you're the, you're the government nerd, so you'd know, right? Yes. Been here since January? I mean, yeah, about, it's so about yeah, two months. So yeah, it feels like, and so this whole thing happened like three weeks ago. So it feels like more or less, uh, like less than Two months ago, she was like Elon Omar, along with Ayanna Presley, and along with AOC, and a few other sort of incoming women of color who were um, elected in this sort of sort of this blue wave that occurred in 2018. Were all being touted out, or rather, sort of touted out by the, the Democratic Party as being like. I don't know the faces of the party, right? Because like, let's be perfectly honest. Democratic Party's brand is that like they're the party of young hip women of color, right? Young hip urban women, women of color who don't mm-hmm. take no guff from no dumbass white Republican males, right? D- despite the fact that both ideologically and just like demographically and in terms of their, their leadership, the Democratic Party is defined by like old ass, like old ass mummy ass, like old ass like. Emotep fucking Brendan Fraser ass like white people like Nancy Pelosi and Steny Hoyer and Chuck Schumer. Not that there's anything wrong with being old and white. There are plenty, plenty of good old white people. I can't name the top mm-hmm. of my head, but I'm, I'm sure they exist. Willie Nelson, boom, right there. Mm-hmm. Plenty of great old white, plenty of great old white people. Um, it's like so like that like that's just the leadership of the party. The leadership of the party is like is all octogenarians with incredibly centrist and cr- incredibly fucking you know center right poli- political ideology. But you know what your everyday rank and file liberal wants to believe to be, be true about the Democratic Party is that it's the party of hip young women of color. You know it's 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 the party of people who like AOC, uh, not the party of people like Nancy Pelosi. Although they kind of equate the two, right? Which shows you just how like shallow their understanding of like the two people are. Like these are both like. I don't know what the word sassy because that's an oppressive answer, right? But these are both like uh, no nonsense women who or who like who take no shit from like the Republican Party, uh, who is like who is essentially a party of like old white men. That's the sort of 
the internal narrative that the Democratic Party pushes. Like they're the party of people of color, of women, of the urban youth, uh, and urban. I mean, like literally, like urban centers, not like black, like not like coded term for like black people, like the urban demographic. And the Republican Party and everyone who's not Democrat is the like are just like old ass, out of touch white men. And so, like that was like in the back of everyone's head, you know. Elon, she gets the hijab done, Omar, Alas, SNL. And then within like about a month of that being like their narrative, she essentially like makes the most mild criticism of APAC and Israel, which is that like, you know, essentially APAC is a lobbying firm. Israel is up to no good in terms of like genocide and then having a racist apartheid state. And immediately... She was thrown under the bus by Democratic Party, right? Immediately, like, like, uh, immediately. Um, immediately, she was thrown under the bus by Democratic Party. Immediately, like every white feminist, like fucking came out of like came from under their rock to start wagging their finger at her for like not being sensitive enough to like uh, the experiences of anti-Semitism, the experiences of the Jewish community, experiences of like, you know, the blah, blah. They, they were just, honestly, they were just fucking looking for an excuse to like essentially chastise and like educate brown women about like how to do, like how to do social justice properly because there's nothing, if there's anything white feminists love to do more than like educate people of color about how to be model minorities, it doesn't fucking exist, right? And within the time period that that happened to right now, a lot of stuff happened. They you know they introduced like the Democratic Party introduced some kind of sort of like resolution to condemn Elon Omar's anti-Semitism, uh, which anti-Semitic, anti-Semitic remarks. She apologized, sort of. I, like, she didn't do anything wrong. Who cares? Um, they rescinded that resolution to basically condemn hate altogether. <laughs> like, they were like, we're going to just like, yeah. like the, the stupidest ass thing. We're just going to condemn hate altogether. And, and like, and sort of like, and now like, and, and also too, like, which is kind of what glad we waited. It's like basically every person who has come out to, you know, wag their finger at Elon Omar under the guise of like, she's, she did an anti-Semitism has been revealed to more or less be like racist, right? In some sense, in some, like, that to be at least partially either motivated by racism or in the case of, uh, what's, what's the one Bungar, Bungar Sargon? Uh, I don't know her. I don't know her. I'm, I'm sorry. Whatever. I just think mm-hmm. Sargon of a cod, but like Bungar Sargon of of some outlet. Uh, like essentially, people like her who were just like trying to use this incident to further their own career, right? Like essentially, like trying to get a step up in the in their career uh, on the back of like dragging down the first Muslim woman in Congress. I think she's the first one Muslim woman in Congress, right? Yes, her and Rashida Tlaib. Rashid Tlaib. Oh, yeah, Rashid Tlaib. Uh, so, I mean, like, let's, let's, get, let's get some initial thoughts on this whole situation. Like, what, what did you think, uh, Richard? Uh, I mean, one of the things that stuck out to me is uh, the it the whole the whole episode exposed the celebration of mediocrity uh, in every aspect. I mean, uh, I think not to to call Ilan Omar mediocre in any way, but just to say that. Uh, her questioning and some of the other new members of Congress questioning uh, has kind of shown that the Congress people that we had there were doing such a terrible job that these people that those same people say don't get it, don't understand the process, don't understand the nuance are able to so uh, well highlight what's so wrong with everything in the system, like from AOC's early observations of just what was happening as she was becoming a new member of Congress all the way up through this uh, 
like like criticism of Israel and APEC. One of the other things that uh, stuck out to me was you, you captured it a bit about how this was a great opportunity for the the wave of feminists and some others that love to take the opportunity to teach black and brown women how to behave like model minorities and then also just take a marginalized person down a notch. Then one of the other aspects to that that stuck out to me is there's kind of this, uh, you know, the anti-cancel culture push in general there's an aspect to oh see uh even even these marginalized uh, people can do it too sometimes they say things that are bad and or you know get taken out of con- and, and like they're trying to compare this to when you know somebody like northam does blackface or somebody like you know they're trying to make it seem as like, like oh you know this is just a you know an honest mistake or trying to portray it as like a learning opportunity and trying to like juxtapose it to some overt acts of discrimination or uh, just outright racism. So those are a couple of things that stuck out to me right away. Adair, go ahead. What 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 what, what pissed you off about this? I mean, honestly, let's be real. I got to say pretty much everything. The fact that, A, right, she was – people even got on, on her to begin with was just stupid. The fact of the matter is saying that – because what she, what she originally came out and said, right, was a lot of the, – there was a question about, like, why so many um, – Congress people are so heavily pro-Israel, and that's a big. That's going to be a big uh, key in, in this discussion later. And she literally tweeted out the song lyric, "It's all about the Benjamins," which is not anti-Semitic. <laughs> However, people that say that say anti-Semitic all, shit all the fucking time mm-hmm. are so used to being called anti-Semitic when they say anything about Jewish, like Israel, or well, they say about Jewish folks. And money, <clears throat> excuse me. And if you start making, you know, start throwing around tropes about Jewish people and money, then yeah, guess what? That's anti-Semitic. Criticizing a fucking criticizing a, a lobbyist group and saying that Congress people are beholden to this lobbying group that demands loyalty to Israel, not Jewish people, but literally the apartheid state of Israel. That's not anti-Semitic, like at all. That's just. That's, I mean, that it's just that's, it's calling out the facts. It's telling the truth. But we all know that's one of the things you can't do in Congress. But for me, that's one of the things that like primarily pissed me off was just the from every single fucking corner. Like they're capitulating to people like Steve King literally is a white supremacist. He said as much and they don't they, there's not a peep. But uh, a black Muslim woman who's a refugee comes out and says, hey, y'all are beholden to pack money from an apartheid state. And suddenly. You know, she's terrible. But speaking to Megan McCain, I think that really pissed me off. I think more than anything, because she's like, I just can't believe how scary that was. Like, you went on national television and cried about how you were so scared of this black woman who didn't even do shit to you. But the reality, what that speaks to is just kind of like they're, they're, they're saying and doing the quiet part, right? Like they're doing it out loud. Her going on TV and crying and talking about how scary she is and claiming that, you know, a Jewish cartoonist is an anti-Semite, just kind of like that's that's what they do. They're always the victim and all the people that are actually being wronged in this case. In fact, in this case, Ilhan is being, you know, is being wronged by people calling her an anti-Semite. The Jewish cartoonist is being wrong because he's a literal he's he's a Jewish person who's critiquing fucking Megan McCain's evangelical all the jews need to either convert to christ or are going to be thrown in the lake of fire because israel needs a state now and that's going to pro- fulfill uh 
a biblical prophecy. And if you don't believe that, you should like actually just like read Revelations. Like that's the literal prophecy is that once the Jews go back to Israel and Israel's a nation state, then Christ is going to come back and all Jews are either convert or die. And that's literally what they're hoping for. And so that just kind of all this is disingenuous bullshit designed to attack yet another rising star. And frankly, I mean, I don't know about y'all, but personally, based on all of her remarks, I want Ilhan for president. I don't give a fuck. I know she can't run. I know she can't run. I know she can't, but I want her to. Like, I want, that's why, that, like, I would vote for Ilhan in a, in a minute, hands down. But first of all, you, you can tell that she can't be president because she's going fucking ham. It's like, she's going full <laughs> bulwark. And, like, it's because she, like, because, like, honestly, like, maybe senator is the highest position she'll ever reach. So, like, there's, like, there's no, there's not so much careerism that can take place here. It's like, she can never be president. Uh, she she probably doesn't want to be you know doesn't want to transition from a, a, a lawmaker or legislator into like a lobbyist or any other you know any other sort of grifts that your average lawmaker tries to pull. It's like so she has nothing really to lose. You know, as long as she doesn't like, as long as her, as long as her fucking like constituents keep voting for her in, and for the most part they seem to like her, right? Uh, you know, I, I'll say that Elon Omar didn't get as much press as someone like AOC. I think it, that happens to be because AOC happened to be able to sort of. Well, I'll be perfectly honest. AOC is not AOC is not a Muslim woman. Um, you know, and not all women of color, not all people of color, not all sort of backgrounds are judged equally in terms of acceptability in mainstream circles. And that, that's just one hundred percent honest. No, uh, and also because like she just ha- AOC happened to have better media connections for a lot of the situation, which is you know, which is no fault of her own. You got to do what you got to do. Do, but like Elon Omar is kind of, I think she's taken the left by storm because she has a lot better, more or less like positions across the board. And I think partially, or not partially, that's probably primarily because, you know, her positions on foreign intervention and imperialism in the state of Israel are informed by her background and her experiences as like a fucking refugee from Somalia. And I'll get back to Meghan McCain because I I, I honestly, I don't even think Meghan McCain's a Christian Zionist. She's the sort of classic conundrum when you're dealing with like elite pundits. Like, is she stupid or is she just disingenuous? There's probably a combination of both of them. It's gotta at least be both. She called that cartoon one of the most anti-Semitic things she's ever seen. So... She's an evangelical evangelical Christian. So no matter whether or not, by by definition, she has to be a Zionist. That was the United States reason for, you know, in like the 50s, for whatever, like part of that was Christians were like, there was such a big push by Christians in this country, not because they actually cared about Jewish folks, but because they're like, we believe that the Bible says this. And so this has to happen for the Bible to come true. And that was a big push by the Christian community in America. I just want to say shout out to uh, Eli Valley, who is the person who drew the fucking uh, satirical cartoon of Meghan McCain. It's a great cartoon. Eli Valley is a great cartoonist and definitely check out his work. He's like the fucking uh, Junji Ito of, of fucking political satire because that shit was uh, hilarious. And I mean, it was, it was a very – they call that cartoon anti-Semitic even in – the absence of Eli Valley being a Jewish person himself uh, is ridiculous because it was very, it was very clearly a satirical cartoon aimed at the fact that, that, you know, you had this essentially white Christian woman in the form of Megan McCain uh, weaponizing uh, the Jewish religion uh, in order to attack a Muslim woman of color. 
right? Like, like that, like that, like that was very simply the like the intended, like, and it was very clear, right? This was not a situation where the satire was unclear, and so you had no idea whether you know the cartoon was attacking Jews or was attacking fucking you know uh, Muslim women or was attacking like women in general. Like, you know, it was very clearly an attack on Meghan McCain for being a disingenuous piece of shit. And you know, frankly, it was very obvious that what it was, and like everyone who was saying it wasn't obvious were again acting in bad faith. Not that I think that that matters, right? So again, I say that you know nine out of ten criticisms of elon omar if you just scratch the surface surface like a fucking you know a fuck like a fucking islamophobia popped out like, like it, it, that's true right but like those people were operating in bad faith ben shapiro was operating in bad faith steve king was obviously a fucking avowed white nationalist steve king was obviously operating in bad faith yeah if these people the are associating with nazis i'm pretty sure they were operating in bad faith for their concern well, about the jewish people like, fucking is fucking israel associates with nazis <laughs> It's like, exactly. it's like Netanyahu associates Netanyahu associates with Nazis if it benefits the state of Israel, and that's why you know ultimately speaking, to conflate Judaism with Israel is anti-Semitic, right? To, to, to claim that, like, to claim that, like, to claim that, and even if okay, so like, it's a, it's anti-Semitic, and b, to the ostensible, I, I know I'm not going to mince words, right? Because this is not a real like media show. This is we're just a bunch of assholes on take. Like I'll mince words, like. The state of Israel in APAC, like, and I'm going to be meaner than, I'm going to be fucking meaner than Elon Omar was. Like, the state of Israel gets by by weaponizing Holocaust guilt, like widespread Holocaust guilt against its legitimate critics, right? It's not even like that it's weaponizing the theoretical concept of anti-Semitism, which it is, right? But like that accusation is always thinly the thinly coded accusation or rather a thinly coded weaponization of like the holocaust right it's like it's like okay you know like you guys are anti-semitic and that makes you as bad as hitler even though the state of israel like pals around with like avowed neo-nazis you know Netanyahu, and i say state of israel but i mean like Netanyahu. i don't want to judge everyone in the state of israel but i guess i am so but fuck them who cares um uh, like pals around with neo Nazis, um, and they weaponize this Holocaust guilt essentially so they can perpetrate atrocities against uh, the Palestinians. Well, speaking of that, real right. quick, just to interject, <clears throat> Netanyahu just said, like recently, and this is this is news. You can easily look this up. It says Mr. Netanyahu insisted Adolf Hitler only wanted to expel Jews from Europe, but Grand Mufti of Jerusalem, Haj Amin Al Husseini, told him burn them. So basically, like literally what literally what uh, the Prime Minister of Israel Netanyahu did, who is a like super Zionist who believes in an apartheid apartheid state and has said Palestinians are not citizens of Israel, said Palestinians are the reason for the Holocaust. Like literally what he came out and said. And even like Israel's chief historian was like, nah, bro, that's a lie. But he's not like there's been no retraction. Like this is what this is what's going on like right now in regards to all this, which makes it even more ridiculous that anybody would call Ilhan a an anti-Semite for calling out a fucking lobbying group that's super hardcore right wing. Well, I mean, the thing is, like, Zionism and white supremacy go hand in hand. And like and 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 I say that because like ultimately, you know, if Elon was wrong about anything, I, I think I'm probably, I'm probably pronouncing her name wrong, right? It, it, it's, Elon, it's Elon. I'm going to Google it real quick, actually. <laughs> you know, it, it, I mean, it matters, but like if Representative Omar was incorrect about anything, it was in the details. APAC 
because like it's a more complex issue than simply APAC lobbies in the the Democratic and Republican parties sort of fall in line, right? So we know that there are other money vested interests that are getting involved, right? We know that there are just Christian Zionist groups, evangelical Christians who believe that like for the like like Adair said, for the rapture to come to pass, all the Jews have to be in Israel so they can be human shields for like the good Christians who want to go to heaven. We know that the military industrial complex has vested, you know, interest in keep making sure Israel's allowed to do whatever the fuck that they want. And even beyond that, even beyond like the sheer like money aspect of it, we know that ultimately what drives these things is just like global or at least domestic anti-blackness and Islamophobia. Like we know Israel could not do this to another white group. You know, it, it could not say like say it could not create an apartheid state where like it was Czechoslovakians or uh, fucking Bosnians that it was subjecting to like constant terror and constant occupation because that just simply wouldn't be allowed, right? So there is this aspect of just pure neoconservative, pure like, you know pure imperialistic racism that goes into the calculations that people are making when they are trying to support Israel because frankly it's like this devaluation of you know brown lives globally and specifically in this case, Palestinians and Muslims. It's a more complex calculation than like simply the money, even though at its core, it like, you know, it might be about the money. It might be about the Benjamins. I don't mind saying, even though I'm not the world's biggest Jadakiss fan, it might be about the Benjamins for a lot of people. It's also simply about like, hey, a lot of people think that the world is safer when brown people are being oppressed. Right. Like if they don't think that like, consciously, that's not, that's, not, that's not like an explicit part of their political theory about the world. It's at least an implicit part of their political theory about the world. And so when they see the state of Israel, which more or less, if it is not like if the state of Israel is not entirely white, obviously it's racialized as being white. You know, like when people think of Israel, when they think of, you know, Jewish people, they think of white people. Right. Even even when people are arguing online, like we, I had we, there was a Jewish person who like who essentially accused Boots Riley, a black Jewish person of being anti-Semitic because he didn't he just assumed that Boots Riley was not like was not Jewish because he's black. So we know, generally speaking, people racialize uh, Israel and, you know, Jewish people to be white, more or less. Um and we know that we racialize Muslims to be essentially Arabs and brown people, uh, even though there are Mus- there are Muslims that are basically all races, all religions. I mean, not all religions, obviously, all races, all ethnicities, because like, it's a global religion. It has billions, is what two billion adherents. Um, and so, like this global anti-blackness allows people to sort of get away with these atrocities. Uh, I believe what one of like and it's, it's interesting is that calculation that allowed the the accusation of anti-Semitism to be weaponized so effectively against like, Ilhan, the representative of Omar, and why people were so eager to jump on it. Right, this idea that like a Muslim woman or a black person or a brown person or any other marginalized identity besides like a white woman might be uh, perpetuating anti-semitism and therefore vulnerable to attack and like it, it, the, the like the fucking wolves came out of like you know the wolves came out of the fucking forest and the democrats were happy to throw her to them and like and that to me is, is, is like proves a very specific point about this despite the fact that you know like their entire brand is built around you know in the minds of liberals and the minds of people who like look to the democratic party or rather who derive their sort of positive emotional and positive social uh, view of democratic party in themselves by being members of the democratic party uh from this idea is a multiracial coalition that like elevates the voice of women of color it became very clear in that moment that this was like this was about tokenization it's just like this is a brand viability 
anything. That but for the but like but for being the party of like women of color and of people of color, the Democratic Party doesn't really have anything. So they cling very heavily to that in sort of the popular culture and popular political thought. But the moment that those women of color sort of like their viewpoints deviate too far from the status quo because like and it, it, it and for obvious reasons, right? Because you know, let's be perfectly you know, we talk about intersectionality, the various components of it, but Elon Omar is like a refugee. Like she's you know, she's a Muslim. Like she obviously feels some kind of affinity, and not obviously, but you know, I, I, based on her comments, she obviously feels some kind of affinity for the plight of Palestinian peoples, just like a mini domestic brown and black people feel a, a kind of uh, affinity with the plight of Palestinian people because, you know, again, imperialism abroad is often reflected in the policing and other forms of legal structures that are meant to uh, control the lives of black and brown people at home. And so, like, once her experiences with that, with those sort of systems and structures started actually, you know, influencing how she was speaking about her, like her policy prescriptions and her sort of like critiques of the system, they immediately were done with her. Like it became like once you can no once you can no longer be an effective token for our party to sort of like argue our superiority over Republicans as like the party of old white people, like you can no longer be part of this party. Like we're willing to expel you. And like to me that's real fucked up because they don't expel Joe Manchin for shit. Like Joe Manchin barely even votes. I mean, he's talking about entertaining time. voting for Trump and he's still part of the party, so Exactly. And, like, and so you know what that says to me? It's like the Democratic Party prides themselves on not only being the party of like brown and black and other fine of fucking like marginalized people, but also like this big tent ideological coalition. But like I said on Twitter, and I'll say it again, like any party that's going to expel Elon Omar, like a woman of color, a refugee for like critiquing a racist nation state and racist structures at home and abroad, but like they're going to expel her or censure her or like try to silence her while simultaneously elevating someone like Joe Manchin, that's not a big tent party. That's a conservative party with better manners. That's like that's all it is. It's a conservative party that has mastered the language of anti-racism and mastered the language of fucking anti of I'm sorry, of feminism and you know uh and I guess you know anti-Islamophobia sometimes, but it doesn't really reflect how it actually seeks to govern or make any sort of material changes. They just talk the talk. Mm-hmm. No, I was just going to make some connections that I saw was uh, like I wanted to mention about uh, Representative Omar uh, did sign on to a troubles, uh, problematic uh, resolution that essentially Democrats pressured everybody to sign on to. But she has made some good comments regarding the Venezuela situation. She's also called out, uh, uh, you know, Elliot Abrams that made some headlines and then also uh, said, uh, you know, has questioned Trump about uh, that basically outlined that he can't be trusted, but I think has been overly critical of uh, the situation in favor of kind of leaning into blaming Maduro with in conjunction with the signing on to that. Otherwise, I think she's been spectacular, as you guys have uh, mentioned. Uh, but I did. Re- there was recently another uh, bombing, uh, Saudi bombing in Yemen. Uh, killed 10 women and 12 children and it speaks to uh chad's point about the uh disregard and the comfort and the basing of politics within the uh, construct of the disvalue or disvaluation of black and brown lives and muslim lives as well and that uh you know we're talking about suffering in one place it, it, whenever we're talking about suffering it's never about the suffering or the people it's always about the 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 financial interests that or the 
the military advantage that we stand to gain from the situation, whether it's Iraq, any of the dozens of countries that we've interfered with in the the South America or several more and throughout the Middle East. It's always about the economic situation, never about the humanitarian. And so like the this rhetorical thing with Omar and anti-Semitism and all that is another reflection of that where we see, you know, no, no concern about the actual plight of, uh, you know, marginalized people or, you know, uh, any really much, much amplification of the Jewish voices that are for uh, are against the type of stuff that Netanyahu's been doing and the Israel state's been doing in the essentially ethnic cleansing or genocide of the Palestinian people. And definitely we haven't heard from the Palestinian voices on, you know, the co- consistent and constant devaluation and disregard of their situation, their humanity and the realities that they face every day, the horrific conditions, the the absolutely atrocious, uh, uh, you know, images that we see of uh, both the, uh, the specific plights and then just the 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 I, uh, I don't know, the 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 disruptive way in which just doing things like going to school is uh, is treated by the Israeli uh, authorities in which and the abuse that they see uh, at by the hands of police and so much more. It's, it's just it's horrific. And there's so much talk and amplification about the potential anti-Semitism or anti-Semitic nature or, you know, uh, res- the way it was heard from Representative Omar and virtually nothing about the actual suffering that's going on that's re- re- relative or related to the type of uh, rhetoric that we're talking about in the first place. So it's, it's, it's disgusting to me. And then it's also disappointing to me that more isn't made of the actual substantive things like so it's more about you know the 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 incivility of representative omar challenging elliot abrams or making these comments than it is about the actual horrific violence that's taking place that she's having the audacity to question the our part in yeah elliot abrams is a fucking war criminal you know more or less like but like her questioning of or not really her questioning she just fucking teared into his ass but like her line of questioning and her accusations and her like rightfully pointing out that he's a war criminal and like and yet he finds himself back in the same position to commit war crimes that he was in you know uh, before and like it, it makes you feel like you're going fucking crazy right like you know as someone mentioned that like you know watching like Elliot Abrams no what's our like watching Elon Omar talk to talk to Alien Abrams like how he deserved to be talked to um like watching her like uh, rightfully although she you know she said she like she was misinterpreted like rightfully you know explained that Obama got by on having uh, bad policies because he was a back, pretty fake like shortly after that came out yeah, yeah, yeah. She, yeah, she, she didn't mean it, you know. Uh, of course, of course, she didn't, you know. I mean, of she course. was right. Of course, she didn't mean that. Like, she should have. She should have torn a new one. No, like, she, she was she, right. She should have just like, yup, that's what I said, and then just moved on. No, she. she I, she she is right. That's like it's hundred percent true. Like Obama got, had terrible policies, you know, for especially as it came to foreign policy and imperialism. He basically expanded the war from like two to seven, but he got by, you know, along with having like not so great domestic policies. But he got by, you know, not necessarily being on pr- a pretty face. But like I assume that she was that was a fucking analogy for like him being a pretty face on neoliberalism, right? He was a pretty, you know, he was the apex of that system. Like he was so and he was so adept at speaking to like the like the symbolic concerns of american people that he didn't like that like he was able to fucking obscure just how far down the rabbit hole we had gone 
right? Like, you know, support, like, when he actually, when he was out, when he fucking, like, when he finally got out of office, people were surprised by how bad things were. Like, then, like, and that to me speaks to just, like, how well he tricked people. Like, when he got out of office, I don't, I don't have any shame in admitting, like, when, they, when I found out that the, the, the Democratic Party had lost a thousand plus seats, I was like, how is that possible? This is, like, my first time hearing this. I was like, like this is like, this is my first time hearing the Democratic Party had lost a thousand plus seats. You know, I had heard it like, in passing at one point, I think, on the majority report with Sam Cedar, but prior, but like, like, it, like that was like maybe once in four years, and I don't nope. think I'm alone in that. I don't think I'm alone in like having interpreted like uh, Barack Obama's just eloquence and like and mastery of like our shitty corporate media you know, space as like the success of the Democratic Party only for him to be gone and making fucking Netflix movies like Polar I guess and uh, and uh, adopted, adopted in plain sight that, that an Obama <laughs> joint to get uh, back at Mitt Romney to, to, to expose oh, wow. how shitty Mormons are. but like no I, I was surprised by how fucking far things had gone because I was like, I was like I assume that, you know, I the Democratic Party is fucking stupid, but I assume that they had, like, been doing all right, that, like, things were more evenly split down the middle. That it was, like, it was, like, 50-50, only to find out they had marginalized themselves at fucking every, at every level of government from dog catcher to, pre- to fucking uh, Supreme Court, they had marginalized themselves by, like, by adopting... Uh, electoral, or at least you know, not even electoral, because it wasn't a good electoral strategy, but at least like a political strategy, and uh, entirely focused around like the mastery of language and promoting like you know, uh, so like you know, essentially promoting language and progressive language and like more inclusive language as like the end goal of leftist leftist movements of like popular leftism. Like the, we, all we need, all we need is pe- less people say fucking nigger on TV, and we're we're perfectly fucking fine um and so I, I was like i was surprised by that and you know so like and she's right like you know she he put a, a fr- he put a friendly brown face on the drone war and, I, and that's just an objective reality that we all have to sort of grapple with um it's just it's unfortunate that we end up at a position here when it comes to you know the democratic party treatment of elon omar that you know it only enforces the point that she was trying to make Right. That like, you know, it may not be APAC specifically. The state of Israel has such a death grip on both the Democratic and Republican parties. The Republican parties, because they're racist, they're they're explicitly racist and they're explicitly fucking neocons. Also the Democratic Party, because they're also neocons and they're also kind of racist, but also because they're so fucking concerned with like their ability to maintain this moral economy of like symbolic anti-racism that, that even the even the most basic accusation even those obvious bad faith accusations of racism or anti-semitism from the far right is met with an overcorrection as opposed to be like okay you know what like you're you're, you're being a piece of shit it's like you can you like can you like you're being a piece of shit you're like you're not like you're not being genuine um insofar that she said something up you know that upset people it's like it's not inaccurate it's just it upsets some people which is a whole different thing um, you, they, they just bristle up and they pass a resolution to condemn her because a they don't mind throwing minorities under the bus when they, they when they are no longer conven- convenient to like their narrative of like uh, they're no longer convenient to the narrative of the Democratic Party and b because like functionally they like they're just their entire 
their entire frame of thought is that they have to be they have to be friends with the Republican Party. And they just like not only like not only this the party that allows Joe Manchin in, that allows Joe Manchin to be like a, a respected member of the party and like and condemns you if you want to be like, hey, Joe Manchin's kind of a piece of shit. Like, why is he even a, like a Democrat? Uh like they, they like this is the party that like you know Nancy Pelosi just a few days ago it's like they're not going to even pursue impeaching Trump like not even not even for like the potential political like gains that would come from like the theater of impeaching Trump for his various crimes both interpersonal and federal it's like like it's just not it's not worth it to the it's not worth the cost to like their their own perception of like them being the adults in the room. But like they like they like they just like when they when Nancy Pelosi says it's not worth it, they just doesn't mean like it's not worth it to like our culture as one that tends to lack accountability for people in power, or it's not worth it to like Trump's many victims of housing discrimination or sexual assault or the number of other like sort of crimes he's committed. They mean it's not worth it to the Democratic Party's self perception of themselves as like the reasonable pragmatic actors in the room, which is a fucking. I mean, another it, example it, that comes to my mind is the the the. It, Issue that came up between uh, Congressman Meadows and Talib, and then Cummings, where you know he's like, "Oh, you know, we eat lunch together all the time." He's not racist, kind of thing, you know. And it's like that's what Democrats want from people of color in the party. They want, uh, they expect that kind of, you know, oh, well, you know, these Republicans aren't really racist. They just, you know, say and do racist things sometimes, but we don't call them racist because that would be uncivilized, and you know, and we can't be like that. You know, we get we got to be better than that. So. So even if we all know it's messed the up, Democrat, go ahead. But, but the Democratic Party wants house niggas. Let's be real about it. That's why Cory Booker's done so well. That's why Obama did so well. Obama, like Obama, white folks said nigga jump and he said how high. <laughs> Obama's a house nigga through and through. And if you're going to if you're going to go anywhere in American politics, you have to do that. And Johan was just not playing with the bullshit. She's like, nah. We're not about that right now. We're not going to continue to do this. I'm not going to capitulate to what you're doing. And when that happened, they said, you got to go. Yeah, I would miss not to like uh, uh, Muse, or Miss Wendy Muse would uh, get me if I didn't correct the that, that or mention at least that there's like a narrative that's not quite accurate about the difference between house and, and you know, field. But that's another well, story so for another time. That aside, actually, the term house nigga today has this very specific yeah. meaning within the black community to mean you are more likely to capitulate to white folks. So I might have a historic difference. Well, it's just, it's hey, still, my nigga, he's a house nigga. For it's, today's it's terminology, still, it's still, it's narrative is my only concern. But that's it's called the it's called the it's called the it is called a uh, double hermeneutic. No, it's when uh, technical. It's, 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 it's when a technical term has both has both uh, academic or technical meaning, but also a colloquial meaning. Uh, kind of like how intersectional in academic circles means like the intersection of structural oppression, and how it you know in in popular circles it means the multiple identities that someone has. Uh, the more you know. Nah, but it, uh, no one likes Cory Booker. I, I'm gonna push back on that. No one likes Cory Booker. Like, is not even like cool Booker. House people like I guarantee, I guarantee you, Cory Booker. Cory Booker. No one likes Cory Booker. Cory Booker. Oh, I don't give a fuck what she's like. He's he's a light skinned Obama. Like that's what that's what they like about him. He's a light skinned Obama who doesn't talk as well. That's what he no. is. 
Beto is a light skinned Obama. Like, be, be, uh, fucking Cory Booker is like a fucking uh, a rogue machine Booty learning Ward, program. Booty, no, no, no. Booty that, like, is that, like, Obama's half brother after his mom remarried because she wasn't fucking with niggas again. That's what that is. Cory oh, Booker wow. is a light skinned version of Obama, bro. That's through and through. Cory Booker is like Cory Booker is like, Cory Booker is like a, a rogue fucking AI program that's been fed Obama fucking speeches <laughs> and like he just regurgitates them back at you and so all he just all he does is tell like anecdotes about his father and like spout lengths and huge quotes. That's every and then, and then he does he tries that like he tries that he tries to do like the, like the, the southern preacher thing like the southern preacher cadence and southern preacher energy but he just gets like crazy eyes and doesn't blink enough and so he was like <laughs> he's he's wearing one of those like felt vests and some loose khakis. <laughs> <laughs> like he works yeah. at Lowe's. <laughs> you know, we're working in the paint section at Lowe's. He's going to try to upsell you on some acrylic oh. for your walls. No, but 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 you're right, right? It's like like Elon Omar is not having it, and partially that's because like you know like she's not an American, and like that seems that seems silly, but like she has experienced imperialism abroad and uh in like racism at home, and so she has a unique perspective that a lot of people in America, even people of color in America, do not have, and that is the and like and and because we don't have that experience, you know, at least the people of the one the the many of us who are not sort of self-reflective enough to reflect on the fact that we don't have that experience, we are convinced by the media and various politicians that like you can have like shitty foreign policies, like you can support you you can you can support the state of Israel and you know in their implicit narrative, which always kind of gets me, where like if you like if you say like okay like Israel like shoots babies in the face with like tear gas canisters, that's kind of fucked up. They, they'll go like you don't support the state of Israel. It's like it's like why is the state of Israel's existence contingent on you like shooting babies? That's the same reason the United psycho, States is contingent on the shit. shooting babies with tear gas and then well, letting the, the thing, cops get the thing, off. Though, like the, pro- the the big problem they have with that though is like again people don't want to come to terms with what America's done and the fact that Israel is a settler colonial state. To, to criticize Israel, to criticize Zionism, is to criticize the United States and manifest destiny and the you know the genocide of indigenous folks, black slavery, like all these other things. Like America has to, America and Americans, and in particular white Americans, would have to come to terms with their 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 portion in history and how those things resonated through history till today and so now they're just like well see how great israel is see how great everything outside outside of the evangelical you know the evangelical anti-semitism and that they just want the jews there to end up converting or burning it's just literally again read read revelation that's what will happen according to them but like this is it's just a it's just a whole fucking mess and so to criticize Israel is to criticize America, and it just is all. Honestly, both need to be criticized, and you know, in in the apartheid state. But I mean, that's what I was going to say, right? But more, I w- but I'll push back a little bit because it's not just like white Americans, right? It, 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 I think it's, that it's, Americans, it's Americans in general, yes. But like, I'm yeah, not, I, I, like I, in particular, yeah. because of the white supremacist well, overtones it, and the settler colonialism, it's I think it's harder for white Americans to come to terms with that than it is for some people of color, though people of color are just as quickly and easily bought in government as a white, as, as a, as a white representative is just because, you know, our campaign, our campaign finance is garbage. And that, you know, leads to people supporting groups and things that they should not be supporting and people not having the information to vote them out. 
I think that it's, it's easier, like you said, for people of color in America to feel an affinity with Palestinians abroad, especially if they have any kind of like self-reflection, like they, you know, like, you know, an injustice anywhere is an injustice, right? You know, like there's easy, there's an easy, it's easier for people of color to see parallels in their, you know, especially people of color who come from, you know, essentially poor or, you know, maldistributed backgrounds in America to see their, to see like their, see the, the, you know, Palestinians plight, you know, reflected in their plight, you know, if, if to a, a lesser degree, right? It, like, to like a fraction of the degree. Obviously, Obviously, Palestinians have it like worse than the blacks in America do. I, I, I don't think that's a contra- I don't think that's a controversial statement. Not in the but fucking I also think slightest. That- I, but I think also, like you know, but people in America, black people in America, have also kind of bought into this kind of this this, this narrative, along with everyone in America, that like, hey, well, multiple narratives, right? Multiple overlapping narratives. A, essentially, that uh, politics ends at the the borders of America, right? That like internally, we can have all disputes about like what is right and what is wrong, but imperialism or whatever the sort of polite way to put that is kind of apolitical. It's like that you, that you can have an imperialist military, a kinetic military, a military that occupies brown and black countries and enforces those occupations with violence. And that that particular those particular structures just will, will not reflect at home that you can say, OK, well, yeah, America as a country, as a nation, say our politicians, you know, at the national level, even at the at, even at the sort of state level can pledge fealty to Israel but and like and you know sort of basically and like offer no criticism of their you know their genocidal and anti-black policies and that sort of that like devaluation of black lives abroad like that sort of naturalized hierarchy of lives abroad that that racialized hierarchy of of lives abroad uh will not be reflected in domestic policy no it just becomes reflected in the way we police you know brown and black communities at home because ultimately speaking it's like it's a it's a global devaluation of black lives you like just because those lives happen to be domestic lives like the, the lives of black people in chicago it doesn't necessarily mean that like you're going to be able to sort of convince the you know the military the various legal and military apparatus apparatus that like they're worth more than brown lives abroad right like like that's just not the case you know like it may be it may be uh to a lesser extent at some points but we like we can look at the militarization of the police force as a direct reflection of the increased imperialism that it has occurred or you know during the uh the the perpetual war on terror right or the drug war like, like both the drug war and the war on terror have been reflected in the way we police brown and black communities there's at been home. literal translations and, of uh drone technology and other technology uh started and used in the by Israel and elsewhere uh, being imported or used in the United States in order to track uh, when there was that the black radical or what was it? Uh, black, uh, black identity extremists? Yes, yes. When that came around, that there was some stuff that came up that exposed that there was some monitoring and other uh, things that were being used. And then it's, it's going both ways as well, too. So uh, weaponization of drones, of uh, the monitoring drones, it's also happening with tear gas, pepper spray, stuff like that. And that's one of the ways that a lot of Palestinian, innocent Palestinian people have been injured in some of the recent, more recent... Uh, clashes at the border i shouldn't even say clashes i should say israel just devastating uh palestinian protesters and let's be real about this too real quick just like because this is and one of the things that's not actually talked about all that often u.s police forces oftentimes will go to israel to get to learn how to do like new policing tactics so the same things that are happening to palestinian folks the united states government is paying for their police force to go over there and learn how to do these same things domestically. Like America loves 
everything about Israel. And, by, and I say America, and I mean like the country, I mean the government, I mean the people, you know, people in power. They love what's going on with the apartheid state, which is why even after Ilhan's comments, you know, were were uh, you had groups like the Jewish Voice for Peace and other Jewish groups coming out and be like, hey, no, like what she said wasn't anti-Semitic at all. Those voices were like soundly ignored in favor of uh, more right wing Zionist parties that were going to come out and be like, yes, because an America can continue to model its own oppression of people of color within its borders based on what Israel is doing to Palestinian folks right now, which is why it's important when we look at elected officials to see what their foreign policy is. It's a prerequisite in my book that you have to support Palestine and Palestinian rights in order to be a good politician and get my vote. That is required. End of story. I mean, I agree. And I don't necessarily be a good politician, but like, you know, you can't claim to be like good on issues of race, but like bad on Palestine. And I guess that was my larger point. It's just like because with like that, like that's supposed to imply, OK, well, that, that like that race ends or like the implications of being bad on race end at the, you know, the the, the boundaries of America, the borders of America. Like you, that you can be that you can be in favor of like launching an endless war in, on brown and black countries, both in the global south in terms of South America. But also in the Middle East, like it's also technically global South. But like at home, because you've mastered like the language of because you know a few Langston Hughes quotes, and because you like you've read Bell Hooks, you're suddenly great. Like you're but you're you're, you're great on race. That's, that's that's not the way this works, right? But like that like but that kind of that argument like that has been so heavily ingrained in our political system and it's a very centrist one right that 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 there can be these sharp divides between the apolitical and the political that there can be these sharp divides between like domestic and foreign policy and that there's no bleed between them because like just because they just, just, just you know, like no good reason, just because. Because why would there be? It's like, well, why wouldn't there be? It's like, no, no, no. Like, why? Of course, there's bleed. Of course, if you don't, if you don't value brown lives abroad, you don't value brown lives at home. Your comment about like about assuming the best of the Republican Party. And like, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, even in the aftermath, so much of like the responses to the Republican Party uh, post the Elon Omar thing have just been like Democratic Party officials, especially AOC, like, again, trying to point out the hypocrisy of the like the Republican Party. It's like no one cares, dude. Like, I don't understand. I don't understand like what what happened here where like people are still convinced that like the, the family values party that defends rapists. So I guess that's not necessarily mm-hmm. incompatible. Like cares about being hypocrites. I mean, come it's on, like, like, like just to kind of wrap all those things together a little bit. The Elliot Abrams, uh, convicted war criminal. One of the people that was uh, a part of getting him uh, pardoned by the Bush administration is the now Attorney General who's going to decide uh, about you know what parts of the Mueller report get released or whatever. So it's just like the same people that are thinking along the lines that you mentioned are the same people that are thinking that the Mueller report or Mueller report whatever is going to, you know, trash Trump or that suddenly Republicans are going to see the light and be like, oh, he's actually a criminal. Well, now we have to do something. It's like, no. Well, I mean, I mean, to me, like that, like that even overlaps with the Tucker Carlson thing. And it's like it's this this dual belief that like people with power and prestige can't possibly actually be bad. It's like 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 they must either be pretending, which again really is not that really is not like a it's not better. Like pretending to be racist is not necessarily better than being racist, you know, in my opinion, because materially mm-hmm. you have the same exact effect, right? And so like in like in or B like 
they're going they, they're at some point they're going to like see the light they, they, they're, we're all just waiting for the redemption narrative of the, the republican party like we're all just waiting for the redemption narrative of like white males we're all just waiting for the redemption narrative of like america even though of course it came out that apparently like that aid that maduro burned Turned out Maduro didn't burn it, and there was actually like a fucking soldier. <laughs> there was like a fucking invasion. Like I, I can't, I can't believe that like those twenty thousand uh, uh, real, real actual Venezuelan accounts on Twitter that seemed to find all of my tweets like were lying to me. Like I can't, wow. I can't believe like that. I, I, fucking fucking shocker but you know what it's funny you know in in four five months when we're trying to overthrow another fucking country no one's gonna remember this or rather it's not that people remember this it's gonna be viewed as not demonstrative of like american foreign policy specifically or generally and just like another uh, another in a long yeah, list how, of how anomalies. can we know how can like we know rap was long... gonna turn out like this how could we know libya was uh, gonna turn into a slave market how could we know that this like, <laughs> one after another after another well speaking of that shit it's like you know Speaking of that shit, this actually goes back to what I said about like this false dichotomy between uh, imperialism and fascism, right? It's like that dichotomy that's maintained between imperialism and fascism as like not just hand in hand. You know what was Steele saying? Fascism is just what we call imperialism at home, targeted against like populations that we view as, mm-hmm. as like, actually valuable. Um, it's like that dichotomy is what lets like rabid neocons like David Frum write articles in the Atlantic about how like how best we can prevent fascists from like gaining. He's been a proud resistor for it's for like, over oh, a year now. Literally. I've seen liberals retweeting them out. Yeah, but. You know? like, of course, yeah. Like the only people who like retweet David from are people who want to be on Chris Hayes' show, and I and I, mean, I don't mean to be a piece of shit about it. Like I don't mean like literally Chris Hayes' show. I mean like the only people who like retweet David from are like people who are either very popular in like uh, rather I will say who retweet David from uncritically are people who are like very popular in like centrist media spaces, and so like they don't want to accidentally like you know violate the, like the norms and con- the norms and conditions of those like of of being in those spaces or. They want to be popular in those spaces, and they're afraid that they're going to one day end up on a panel on Chris Hayes next to David Frum, and they they'll, they'll have called him a war criminal online. And so, like, for, but to me, like, when I see someone retweet David Frum, I unfollow them because, like, that tells mm-hmm. me um, all I need to know is like that they're more con- they're more concerned about their career, they're more concerned about like not offending people with too much power than they are about delivering good analyses right like if you don't think david from has anything to do or rather david from in like the uh, the uh the administration he was a part of has anything to do with the rise of neo-fascism both at home and globally like then i don't then like then your analysis isn't very good it's like so like why am i even following you or alternatively if you don't think that like him being culpable and complicit in the rise of neo-fascism both at home and abroad is worth not promoting him then like then then you're just a piece of shit but like that but like that narrative that okay well hey like these two things are just like they're just they're just uh they're mutually exclusive like fascism is not in any way related to imperialism imperialism is not in any way related to fascism neocons aren't fascists who just happen to have picked populations that we view as as not being particularly worth protecting and so you so you can have a, a neo a neocon deliver like uh uh, like his viewpoints on how to prevent fascism, even though like he is literally like you know more or less a fascist. 
Although he wouldn't be the first neocon to, like, to give a, a valid critique of to give a valid critique of fascism. Although he didn't give one, but there have been some in the past who have been given valid. Yeah, well, critiques I mean, of, and of on the fascism he's, tip, he's I mean, we, we have an example in South America with Brazil where Trump and many Republicans basically outright supported Bolsonaro, who ran on in part and announced in a public video that he would have his uh, political opposition jailed or kicked out of the country. So, I mean, we can't have much more literal what? examples of fascism and uh, the U.S. support for it in, in cases like that. Well, I mean, to be fair, the way we understand fascism is incredibly skewed, right? So the way we understand fascism is entirely rooted in Nazi Germany, more or less. Mm-hmm. Like, like, popularly speaking, the way we understand fascism is rooted in Nazi Germany and the actions of the Holocaust. And we kind of look at that as like the, the standard bearer for fascism and fascists. Like if you're not a neo-Nazi, you're not a, if you're not a Nazi, you're not a fascist. And like th- that creates a, a lot of problems with how we understand fascism, right? And how we understand imperialism as well. The first problem is that it creates an incredibly low bar for like modern neo-fascism fascist to like to avoid being labeled as a fascist right all they have to do is literally not be a nazi and the way we conceptualize nazis is in many ways rooted to like in, like their symbologies so like swastikas uh like sieg hailing you know i guess speaking german eating strusel whatever germans do and also like it's incredibly it's incredibly um it's a it's, it's incredibly it's, it's class it's incredibly classist too which is why people had a hard time identifying like Trump as a fascist and had a hard time identifying uh Richard Spencer as fascist because they, because he didn't look you know in modern days neo-nazis as a you know as a function of you know being racist are viewed as stupid and they lack intelligence and so the fact that someone would be like smart and a racist or rather could index smartness and be a racist was un was unimaginable to people so it was a curiosity second it makes like people who who aren't white, and this is sort of related to the Israel and the, and the Holocaust and their Holocaust weaponization thing uh, relevant, relevant to that. Like, it, makes people, it makes people who are not white ineligible for, to be victims of fascism, mm-hmm. right? or rather to make, makes them ineligible to like, to label, to lob criticism that, hey, you know what, I am the, you know, as a black person in America who lives, like say in the south side of Chicago or any sort of incredibly over-policing area like Oakland, I find myself to be the victim of a fascist police state. Or as like, or as uh, you know, as a Palestinian, I find myself to be the victim of a, a fascist apartheid state. Or as any number of like places around the world where fascism exists, but like its victims are not brown. It's not its victims are brown or black, or essentially just not you know that you know essentially that they aren't white. Because like you know, it seems as though a prerequisite for fascism is the ability to index whiteness. I'm not going to have a conversation about whether Jews are white on the show because that, that, hey, that's, that's, a, that's a conversation. Well, hey, I mean like they're not all white, obviously, but like that particular conversation is like one that yep. only racists have. <laughs> so, so I'm going to avoid it. I'm sure there's a Jewish podcast that, that would uh, do a much better job anyway. I don't want to have it. Uh, what'd you call it? And, and third, like the third problem with it too, is that like, it, like this false dichotomy of imperialism and fascism creates disability. It creates, it, it inoculates uh, it rather, what's what I'm looking for? It makes it impossible for people to understand just how deeply, just how deeply hegemonic certain, fasc- certain elements of fascism are to our society, and so that makes people feel like stuff like Trump, or feel like stuff like, um, you know, feel like stuff like Trump, or feel like stuff like ICE are coming out of thin air. 
It's like because they don't recognize that like the 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 at least the precursors like the proto fascism is hegemonic and therefore quite you know we can devolve into fascism very quickly. It's viewed as incredibly anomalous when in fact it's actually deeply rooted in how we deal with society. Like we know like even Hitler in the Nazi state did not cut did not you know spring up whole cloth from nothing they drew a lot of their inspiration from some of the things that america was doing both to native populations into people in you know disabled people in mm-hmm. mental health facilities you know it's like you know not i don't want to call them no. health facilities because they mm-hmm. weren't mental health facilities back then but you know like like they, they, they you know eugenics like eugenics was like partially an american thing you know like it was like it did like hitler didn't invent eugenics like he just weaponized in a particular very way a particular a very specific way against a very specific population and you know people have said i think even jeremy corbyn's uh you know various scholars have said but i think most recently jeremy corbyn's one of his advisors said like one of the reasons that we we talk about the holocaust as this like this litmus test for fascism even though like fascism in the in as we know as called imperialism existed all over the world as the as a function of like colonialism. Uh, like we talk about just like the standard bearer of fact, we talk about Hitler, but we don't talk about like, you know, the Belgian Congo. We don't talk about, we don't talk about like the, like the, the, the atrocities committed by Churchill in fucking India as like fascist or worth fat or worth sort of identifying as fascism. It's because like largely like more or less, if not, if not back then right now, Jewish people can index whiteness as like, you know, as as a way to sort of signal that that they are valuable parts of the population, and all Samuel but like the, the most racist people will claim that like will accept that. Okay. I'm here. I just, I just wanna have some fun. Cindy Lauper, six carrots in the mouth, jaw dropper. They said I'd never make it on my own too. Hold on, I got Ryan Seacrest online too. Tent look like the first lady, getting brain and stress aids. Coop the color Kanye with the photo be Tom Brady. I'm stargazing, condos in foreign places. Female Bernie Madoff. Presidential tent. A hundred servants in an sensation. I shut down the server. I'm fashion forward, forward model. On a pill with a coke bottle. Coke girls, so rock girls came through with a top curl. They do whatever I do. That's why they never rock pearls. Only diamonds, purple and yellow, Kobe diamonds. I've been toe tying ever since Jody signed Presidential tint. Michelle Obama. Presidential tint. I met a switchblade. I threw a wish.
fresh wave With Versace fork in the road I don't know which way I should go, I could glow Like the sun at noon Might change my government name to Jody Three Moons Three spoons, one for every thought Should I test? Who will molest while I get my shows caressed? Release stress or get kicked to somebody's curve You on my nerves, get your ass dropped off in the suburbs Presidential tent Michelle Obama Presidential tent Presidential tent, Michelle Obama. Presidential tent, Michelle Obama. Presidential tent, Michelle Obama. Frozen femurs in the freezer, Jeffrey Dahmer.